0: All right, we are live. Welcome Antonio to We Are In This Together. How's it going? Great. Let me introduce you. Mm -hmm. Antonio Cosme is an indigenous Coahuiltecan and Buriqua writer, public speaker, entrepreneur, radical economist, educator, artist, beekeeper, and farmer from southwest Detroit. Much of his work has been dedicated to lecturing, writing, and acting in opposition to the neoliberal assault on Detroit and water. Mm -hmm. His media, interviews, viral street art, blogs, and articles have been featured in movies, magazines, and newspapers. In 2015, Antonio was arrested for painting Hashtag free the water on a water tower in the midst of the Flint water crisis and Detroit shutoff crisis. Beyond just resisting the abuse of public goods, he founded Southwest Grow's urban farm on land taken from Detroit residents by banks. The space seeks to use agroecological and permaculture principles to reshape the broader urban ecology, connecting social movements with struggles for land reclamation and environmental justice. He also co-founded Black to the Land, a coalition organization of black families that organizes camping and hiking trips. Currently, he works with the National Wildlife Federation, introducing Detroit high schoolers to outdoor experiences, hiking, hunting, and foraging across the state and region. He and three other beekeepers founded the Southwest Detroit Cooperative in 2016. Antonio works with uh, Anishinaabe communities across the Great Lakes, locally in the Waweawa the, the indigenous name for Detroit, having organized with the Detroit indigenous community to change Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Day. With local Anishinaabe, Antonio helped initiate the hashtag Detroit Sugar Bush, producing maple sugar and syrup from Detroit trees. People can find more information about his creative work by searching hashtag decolonizedetroit and his farm work hashtag swgrows and his be work at hashtag swbetroit. I'm going to put all these hashtags on the screen later. We Are In This Together is a non-scripted live nonprofit broadcast by Dearborn blog to have conversations that become oral history records of our lives during the COVID-19 pandemic, also known as coronavirus pandemic, these are personal stories of our lives during these unprecedented social isolation measures in a globalized world. Well, you know what? It has been. This has been the introduction since March 12, but so much has happened since then that yes. I feel the introduction is a little bit out of space. So, Antonio, uh, as much as you can during the interview, try to look at the camera mm-hmm. and not the screen, but. But anyway you look I'm excited about this interview yeah uh, I've known you for a very long time when we used to work together in Southwest Detroit uh, 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 different uh, uh, community groups you work closely with students also of Universal Academy which I also used to work with um, I know that you're you're everywhere man as far as Southwest Detroit Detroit and mm-hmm. whenever it comes to social justice, Environmental justice—I always see Antonio there. And uh, uh, this uh, interview, you know, we usually we pick uh, different individuals from different places of the world. Uh, And although uh, you're considered a local, okay, so but uh, uh, we—you know how in America there is such a level of segregation that sometimes mm-hmm. the city that is next to you is as foreign as, as a country that is across the globe. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to shed light. I experienced that because of living, working in various cities. And just, you know, it feels like transforming from from one age to another, from one world to, to another. Mm-hmm. And Southwest Detroit, man, has its own feel. It has its own spirit uh, you cannot get that spirit unless you live there, you work there, you, you, you congregate with the community there. and you know you, It's not something that you can read about. It's something that you live. Mm. So let's start with that. Let's start. Talk to us about Southwest Detroit.
1: Yeah, so it's a pretty expansive area. A lot of people confuse Southwest Detroit with Mexican town. First, I have to say my lip is a little bit inflated. Because I, was, I got stung in the face by a bee earlier today. <laughs> I'm uh, doing some beekeeping work earlier today. Well,
0: I, I hope you're feeling well. Some people pay yeah, for that. Yeah,
1: I feel well. I got, I get stung like mm-hmm. it's... I feel like I average 1. 1.7, 1. 1.8 times every single time I work with the bees. Yeah. So it's normal. It's normal. My... But the face, I don't get it stung in the face a lot. So that's kind of like... <laughs> it was huge earlier. I have a photo. It looks like...
0: Wow. It was enormous. It was well, good. I'm glad you can do the good. interview. I
1: mean... Yeah, yeah,
0: with with uh, with that, but uh, I could have just
1: wore the COVID mask and gotten away with it. The <laughs> point. Like you know, I'm alone in my house, but trying to be. I was I was saying some people,
0: some people pay for that, you know. <laughs> some yeah. People pay to get their lips uh, larger. You yeah, know, yeah. We, uh, like or, uh,
1: fillers.
0: It reminds me we used to uh, my my grandmother in Bintijbel, uh, uh, a small city in Lebanon, and a village. in well, it's a city, but it's a village mm-hmm. to us. Uh, in south lebanon she used to have uh, bee uh, hives yeah uh, in her in her uh, uh you know farm so we used to play a game as kids you know how things change you know right mm-hmm. now like a bee thing is a big thing but at that time we used to play a game we all would line up in front of the beehive uh what do you call that the bee house what do you yeah yeah so yeah. we all stand in front of the the bee farm the beehive and we, you know, we count to three and we take one step uh, closer. And mm-hmm. we keep doing that. Whoever gets stung is out. And the last person standing is the winner. You know? <laughs> yeah. And that so used to be a game. It's no, it's no longer funny today. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. yeah. So Southwest kids, Detroit. Kids
1: are, uh, need to be more resilient. That's for sure.
0: Right. <laughs> Go ahead. You will tell us about Southwest
1: Detroit. Yeah. So, um, so it's, a. Uh, and it was it was German Polish before it was like Latino for sure. It was like um, it's a really expansive area, so it includes like Del Rey. Delray is like in four eight two one uh, seven is like the where the super environmentally polluted areas of of Detroit are. It's the industrial area. So Detroit's port is over there. The bridge to Canada is in that area. There's a lot of history in the area. Like that area used to be like um, there was like jazz and like. Uh, all sorts of, like, music and uh, underground stuff. Like, I think even, like, the Z Z Gang, which is, like, that um, Jewish uh, alcohol-running gang used to, like, operate down there. Detroit's, so that's just Delray area. Super industrial. It's pretty abandoned right now. It's getting, like, leveled at the moment. Uh, another area is, like, there was a village outside of Detroit called uh, Spring Wells, and that's where um, a lot of Southwest Detroit is, like, the 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 center of the community, I would say, like, the hub of it, which is, like, Patton Park. South of Detroit's very wide, you know. On one end, there's the industrial area, and on the other end, there's the um, like uh, Mexican town, you know, which is like in Corktown, kind of ends at Corktown. Uh-huh. And that Corktown area is like the affluent, there's really big, beautiful old homes. There's a major high school, one of the last public high schools in South Detroit. Western International is over there, is um, and that's kind of
0: the- part of Southwest. You said what? Detroit? Is it considered part of Southwest Detroit?
1: Mexican town is for sure. Yeah, Mexican town. People confuse Mexican town in southwest Detroit a lot of times. But Mexican town is like the furthest uh, east neighborhood of southwest Detroit. Right, and I kind of but- live in like uh, an area in the northern. Some people don't even consider it southwest. But it's like I would call it the armpit of Detroit. There's like a, a weird like thing where Detroit goes 90 degrees up and then 90 like, you know, goes 90 degrees towards Dearborn. And I live right there in that border between Dearborn and Detroit. hmm.
0: Is that close to Wyoming?
1: Um, it's or, or down south. Yeah, it's really close to Wyoming. I I, okay. I live like but um, uh, closer to Wyoming than Livernoy, but off mm-hmm. McGraw. So I'm like my my lights fucking up.
0: No problem. Okay, yeah. uh, Antonio. So um, um
1: so it's a big neighborhood. It's diverse. Uh, my area is like heavily Yemeni. There's Lebanese. Like I live in the most diverse area. It's almost like Hamtramck in, in my area. There's a lot mm-hmm. of Yemeni a lot of um polish like just like southern uh appalachian um mexican dominican uh-huh. it's very very diverse where i stay where where like were the, you
0: born antonio
1: i i live right in the same neighborhood where i grew up in which is like the McGraw-Lano, ford wyoming michigan what, Livernois area what
0: high school you went to
1: so i went to k through 12 in detroit k through 12 in catholic schools in detroit so i started off at uh in grade school i started off at like saint Cunegunda, then I went to St. Thomas Aquinas, and then for Catholic, for for my senior, or for a high school, I went to this high school that started in Redford. It started Mm -hmm. in Detroit, then it moved to Redford, now it's in Novi, but it's called Detroit Catholic Central. It's an all guys, private Catholic high school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was definitely outside my parents' budget to send us to um, high schools like that, but like, they really scrimped and saved and sacrificed a ton, a ton, a ton of house, you know, in the midst of the crisis just to send us to better schools because they both went to Detroit public schools and they wanted, uh, they didn't want us to have the experience. Unfortunately with the segregation that comes with, um, you know, the United States has been dealing with this since uh, Brown versus board of education, like the inequality in education between black and Brown communities and white communities in the United States. And a lot of black and Brown communities like Detroit have like really, really underfunded education, no music programs, no sports programs, no like uh, AP programs, no language programs, like, it's a lot of like defunding within that system. So I understand my, my parents' decision, but I do support DPS. You know, I think it's uh it's unfortunate. The district has gone from like two hundred thousand to like fifty thousand in like the last like twenty years. Um and that's because of like the there's three specific policies, but I could talk about education stuff. I, I'm my background's in economics, but uh again, neoliberalism, as you mentioned is like a big part of it and I you could see the history of it a little bit in my educational experience. Catholic schools were closing throughout Detroit at the same time that uh, public schools were closing, too, because they're competing with, competing with charter schools. Um, and um, there's another policy that allowed um, per pupil funding. So like suburbs were receiving and then also op- open access. So suburbs started receiving Detroit students as well. So there's been like a flight of education money from the Detroit public school system. So I understand my parents' decision, but uh, it was interesting because I grew up in the hood and by my, you know, junior and senior year, I'll be spending time in like the wealthy Western suburbs of Detroit with like the, the, the region's elite, you know, there's a mm-hmm. lot of like German, Irish, Catholic sort of roots in Detroit. And like within like, even like Duggan's son was in my homeroom uh-huh. in, in, in high school, Mike Duggan's son. Another one of my best friends he was on the wrestling team with me Cox his dad is um Judge Cox who was like uh, he was part of he, he was part of the water stuff in Detroit when Detroit was going bankrupt um, he took over for Judge Fikens, and he was part of like the what happened with the regionalization of the Detroit water system um there's just a lot of really rich kids you know there's a, one of my buddies another buddy his dad was like FBI entry task force for dearborn or something like that he was like uh on swat in dearborn that got me off so many tickets living on the border of dearborn and detroit is really seriously like a ferguson like checkpoint of like anti-black racism that still exists in the dearborn detroit border speaking feel, of that segregation you know that you're talking right, about right. do you feel like, still
0: exists today oh
1: yeah for sure i've Can been pulled explain- over like can I've you explain over it about to... a dozen times? About a dozen Wait, times, so transiting so in and out of that area. Don't understand.
0: Can you explain more? This is Dearborn blog, you know, so this is the yeah. to explain this. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, obviously, like we all know that Dearborn has a long history of like anti black racism, especially when it comes to Detroit, um, with Orville Hubbard, which is the mayor of Dearborn um, for. for 60 years or so. He was a good mayor. Like he was not a bad mayor. There's just a ton of these type of like public leaders who grew up on Detroit's periphery who whose communities benefited as Detroit declined. Um, and they all have this like oppositional stance to Detroit because of again that stark patterns of segregation really enforce, ra- uh enforced like super sharp racial divisions in the in the area. Detroit is remains the most segregated metropolitan area in the country to this day. Um, especially if you include Detroit and Ann Arbor. Especially you look at Oakland County, the average income of Oakland County is uh, like $80,000 a year. There's like some neighborhoods in Oakland County just north of Detroit, like four or five miles, where the average income is like $360,000 a year. The average income of Detroit is like $26,000 a year. So there's like vast economic differences in like what people have and what they ha- – and like there's a lot of other things that are like really fucked up, and particularly with the legal stuff when we're talking about the police. Mm-hmm. Um at any given time, like one third of Detroiters like have warrants out for them for like minor traffic violations and you know more serious stuff too. You know, even even marijuana stuff back in the day, but like that's obviously one no longer less, less, one less a thing. What you're one third. There's like I think wow. something like, and, and I might be a little off in the stats. Um, it's it's something really really high. Like like I think a quarter of Detroiters have cars, and like. A, a huge percentage of those don't have car insurance because it's so expensive. It's mandatory. My car insurance is like 4000 a year. Wow. It's it's like worth more than some people's cars. It's crazy. Right. And if you don't have it, you're heavily criminalized. You end up in jail a lot. There's a lot of people in jail for that in Detroit. So when I, when it comes to like, checkpoints you know this is even like there's like there's there's mirrors of israel and palestine in there too like yeah. there are checkpoints when it comes to like heavily racialized segregated areas and, and dearborn and detroit border is one of them um obviously dearborn has become incredibly diverse and it's grown so much and it's come such a long way and i'm you know really excited to see like arab leaders and different things like that you know like um i, I love dearborn in a lot of ways but i, I also grew up with this like fear of the border as a young person. And then in high school, I was liberated from that fear because a little bit of white privilege from going to the expensive kid's school rubbed off on me. And I was able to say, hey, this is the cop I know who works here. Like, I got off so many tickets that way. It's crazy. So many, so many. Like, that, I mean, there's situations where I had guns pulled on me uh, multiple times. I've been, like, put in the back of cars. They asked me if I'm, like, an American, if I'm a citizen in this country or not. Um, I Um Worse, worse in in border situations i've had my asshole touched by cops like mess messy dehumanizing things happen all the time on the border when it comes to black and brown folks traversing into some of these communities around detroit do you feel,
0: do you feel there's an improvement
1: or or it, it's still the same or i, I definitely like you it's impossible to say there's not some improvement i, I i'll say this though like I think when it comes to like this is such a this is such a big question. It's impossible to like you know parse it out and like it's it, there's definitely been improvements over my lifetime, over the the arc of everything. But I'll say this like, um, for the last eleven years, I, I'm pretty sure it's eleven. The uh, infant mortality rate for Black women in Detroit has gone up, has gotten worse. Right. So like I, I think that there's been a level of deprivation among the bottom of the socioeconomic groups that's made it really bad and desperate in very recent times. Yeah. And like, when we talk about this conversation about reparations, you know, this is a big controversial topic, reparations, but like we still need reparations from the 2008 financial crisis. Like that fucked Detroit. I'm allowed to say that, sorry. I'm like, I cussed that messed Detroit up. Time time, so you're that fine. messed Detroit up a lot. The 2008 mm-hmm. financial crisis was like, horrifying literally 50 percent of all black wealth across the entire country disappeared in a matter of like eight years all like like 50 percent of black wealth the 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 wealth disparity between white people and black people is 10 to one the wealth disparity the income disparity is not as bad but it's it's brutal I mean like in Detroit is like just this, this hyper hyper version of all of these problems in America this post-industrial sort of situation we have here I mean it's been interesting. I mean, as Detroit's gotten better, I'd say like if if we we're judging by like infant mortality of of women, did, black people are not doing better. We're trending black people are trending down if you measure by that. But there's right. there's other measurements that you Amnesty can, you know International has there's taken, other measurements, you know, like a,
0: Amnesty International has taken that as a human right issue.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and and
0: they brought I remember I was part of uh, group 78 in downtown yeah, and, uh, we when we had delegations to state representatives and senators, we brought that issue uh, to light. And uh, many of them were surprised yeah. that we have that issue in the United States. You know, like
1: uh, I was so. part of bringing the United Nations to Detroit uh, with the Detroit with the uh, Detroit People's Water Board, which is an organization that was started by Charity Hicks, this amazing environmental organizer in Detroit history. Definitely look her up if you're interested in that sort of culture but she had started this organization and um we were obviously like opposing the shutoffs that were happening in detroit and mass and when those happened and around the time of the flint water crisis we did uh bring the united nations over we did a tour we stopped in a bunch of different places and showed them you know people were experiencing this uh, sort of problems but there's, there's there's, there's, i mean i love detroit because there's so much history you can find in detroit like part of it is just the water infrastructure the government has like uh literally like radically decreased the amount of like the percentage of public infrastructure projects that are paid for by the federal government has radically gone down in the last like 40 or 50 years during this like kind of neoliberal era that we're in um and it's just on local communities and entrepreneurs or whatever you know to like pay for public infrastructure now it's it's absolutely nuts we're, right. i mean detroit in michigan is like if there was a case for like burgeoning fascism in the midwest like it was governor as governor snyder you know like that that administration like literally took away the democracy of 50% of the black people following the 2008 financial crisis period. I mean, they were doing some radical stuff. I mean, that's what resulted in the Flint water crisis ultimately was this like right-wing sort of like, I mean, it's it was before Snyder, you know, like it's... Uh,
0: I know, it's... It's it's, it's
1: vibrations it's from topic. Reagan, you know, Reagan, Reagan, yeah, post-Reagan. Of... <laughs> Reagan and <laughs> you know beyond it's like horrible... History. I know it's a like, in American history. It's, it's like very, the decline, you know. Mm-hmm. The United States. Once we beat Russia, we we don't have an answer to Bretton Woods. That's ultimately the question. Are you familiar with Bretton Woods? There's no. a major there's a major conference in the 1940s after World War II when the United States essentially took the reign of like we are the number one global economic power. We have the strongest navy, and the deal was you help us fight communism, we'll patrol the world's oceans, and we'll make sure that like all of your shipments. Uh, get to where they need to go because pre- previous, pre- previous to this, especially during the World War One and Two periods, Europe had been fighting for like 400, 500 years or some shit and like you literally need to have a navy in order to be a, a, an economic power, a global power um, and there are only certain countries that were doing that so like the, the navy aspect was huge but um, I mean that's like I forgot where I was going with that Okay, I, <laughs> I, had, I had some wine at dinner
0: we're, we're we're gonna we're gonna touch on a lot of subjects today. Yeah. Although this interview yeah. is personal, I'll try yeah. as much as I can. <laughs> yeah, I'll keep that. it. I'll
1: keep it unpersonal. But I'll tell you personal stuff too. No, no, tell I you mean if,
0: You're one of the most active people that I know. Uh, I am uh, a person who is infuriated by the amount of need of activism and yeah. the amount of time wasted by the masses of people and one of the things i liked corona for because we're going to come back to corona Mm -hmm. one of the things i like corona for is it stopped sports for a little bit you know (laughs) these people take a break and maybe find something else to do
1: more Uh, people have been gardening than ever i love that
0: yes i love that i love
1: everyone's food security is a big question in people's mind as it should be you know as it really should be just with climate change alone let alone coronavirus
0: Okay, so for uh, the record, this is a, a something that we do every episode. Today is July seventh, twenty twenty. The number of confirmed cases in, in the world is about twelve million. In the United States, about three point zero five million, and in Michigan, it's seventy three thousand four hundred.
1: The world is twelve million, and the US is three point
0: five. Yeah, the 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 US is is now uh, is is twenty five percent of the. Mm.
1: Of the I, I think I think one of the problems here is like the third world is not getting tested. I think that's also one of the issues for sure. Cause it's definitely spreading out in those places, but there's, mm-hmm. you're just not going to hear about it. They don't have, they have no money for testing.
0: Yeah. I can they're just going to die. This is a, a cluster mess. It's uh, a total
1: mess. I right. mean, the epidemiology is so raw and so new. It's really difficult to like parse out what's, what's on point and, and what's and like, worse than that,
0: that's measurement problems. The measurements have been politicized.
1: So it's, Oh my gosh. Yeah. And like the, like they're, for a while the government was like the insurance companies were paying extra for corona and is incentivizing classifying other stuff as corona i think like one of the good statistics for us to really find out is like watch lung deaths year to year like respiratory deaths which in corona is included in you know i think that would be good to like uh a way to better measure the actual impact of it i think we're gonna have to get creative with the epidemiology in order to like okay um, i'm gonna ask you
0: about southwest quantify this time here you know hanan yahya I interviewed yeah. her before, and I asked her about Southwest situation as far as Corona. I'll ask you too, but before that, I want to uh, tell you that uh, recently, I think, a few days ago, Rashida Tlaib, who's from Southwest Detroit, I don't know who she represents now. Does she represent Southwest Detroit?
1: Yeah, part of it. I think yeah. she's like District 13 or something like that. They may, uh, depending how the census goes, they may force her erase South- her district. Right? Yeah. I've always
0: thought she's Southwest Detroit. I think right? she's
1: part Southwest. Let me look at her. Uh, she just mentored
0: our student government at Universal, by the way. Really? Uh, uh, so Southwest. Uh, so Rashida Tlip, she got a 1.5 billion dollar fund for water, which is uh, very happy news. Um, you know, she's a hard worker uh, for uh, for for social justice, and that that was a very very good accomplishment. Uh, yeah,
1: she's she's been a powerhouse. So her district is no, it's not Southwest Detroit or Dearborn at all. It's Highland Park, Hamtramck, Detroit, Harper Woods, Gross Point.
0: Oh, really? Okay.
1: Gross Point, Gross Point Park. Wow. Yeah, I I
0: didn't know that. I I assumed she's Southwest for some reason.
1: That's where her strength is, but she's all over the place. Right.
0: Maybe when she was a state oh, Hold
1: on. When you said District 13, what, what is this?
0: It's a shame to... to to. No, it's uh,
1: include Southwest. To, guess, is, to Michigan Michigan guess like that why we have... It. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think she actually does have Southwest. I take it back. I right. Think that was this is how
0: live these episodes, like we don't really prepare. Yeah. Okay. So Antonio... I'm
1: prepared. I took some notes. I, I, I answered your question. <laughs> uh, no.
0: Thank you uh what is the situation of the coronavirus in southwest detroit as you have witnessed it um first are you safe your family people are yeah not... yeah
1: yeah i've seen a couple i've seen like i've seen like friends of friends uh-huh. people die there's like people acquaintances of mine who have passed um a lot, i think i've heard of a lot of people being very distant from elders and it's it's a it's a really pernicious bad disease, you know. It's really it's been rough for people, I, I think. But um, I think one of the problems in Southwest is it's hard to quantify because a lot of the people are outside of the of the medical and uh, insurance system. There's a lot of undocumented people. There's people who just don't have health insurance. There's so I I've been like involved in like diaper delivery. I know there's a lot of people who need diapers. I know poverty's amazing poverty is one of the biggest things the economy has stopped and slowed down shut down so uh, a lot of people are very very broke um I think like Detroit as a city's unemployment rates crazy high like 60 percent or 50 some some really really high number yeah um, and someone,
0: someone might ask who is not aware of the situation he'll ask you why don't they find jobs why don't they work
1: well, so there, there is no jobs right that. now. The economy is like crazy. Right. Let's um, talk about
0: some of the obstacles. Let's talk about public transportation in Detroit.
1: Yeah, there. I mean, how I'll give you uh, an example that's like I think a good uh, representative. Let's say that. So there was a big grant that was that Detroit had for um, developing a, 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 a bus rapid transit system which is probably the most efficient thing for Detroit with 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 a limited budget that we have. Um, and I think, like, I want to say it was Kresge or Night, one of these people, Kresge and Dan Gilbert got together and they used that money to help develop the Q line, which is, like... Um,
0: from Midtown to Downtown.
1: From Midtown to Downtown. It was, like, a lot... I wrote an article about this, but there's... Uh, a lot of people don't know, like, while they're building that, they're also, like, installing, like, the some of the core cables to rocket fiber, which is the fiber optic internet sort of system, which, you know, like obviously the medical, the medical stuff down to downtown, up to midtown is like where you would want rocket fiber. You know, it's because essentially Dan Gilbert bought up all of the build the property around Quicken or around uh, the, the train line downtown, yeah. all of the buildings during the and crisis.
0: Q line is a, is a quick and lost company too. Oh,
1: well, they help sponsor it. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. While he was doing that, he put in this rocket fiber and he bought all these buildings, some of which he got for free, actually. um, Giveaways during the economic crisis. That's what happens. They give away to rich people, the crisis. The people who caused the crisis. uh, A huge percentage of the loans that he gave to Detroit, he was a mortgage originator. That's what Dan Gilbert is. Huge percentage of the loans that they gave to Detroit ended up being bankrupt. Uh, People losing their houses. They were predatory loans that were initiated from him. So he's a predatory lender. On the back end of the the 2008 financial crisis, he, uh, being despite being a failed organization in business, uh, gets to buy up all these buildings downtown. Some of them, like I said, he got for free, just transferred over from the city by working directly with the emergency manager, which was appointed by Snyder, as I referred to the fascism of Michigan earlier. Um, and that guy got to like decimate union contracts, erase people's pensions, sell off public assets, um... He was essentially the government in Detroit for two years, and then Duggan took over. Um, yeah. Do
0: That's you disgusting. feel that a lot of a lot of people in Metro Detroit they see the transformation in Detroit as a positive thing? Of
1: course, of course, yeah. And, I mean, and, and, if you include and, Metro yeah. Detroit, it's like a five million people area. The city's seven hundred thousand. Uh-huh. Um, I think people you wish, people feel safer. I wish
0: that happened? A how lot would of people.
1: Happened better. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. That's a really important question. Um, there's like, so like, there's the 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 real politic, which is like give given the circumstances, and then there's like the lofty idealistic like what should society be doing. So I, I don't know which answer you want. If I if I'm gonna go with the real politic of what's happening in Detroit, um, and what happened in Detroit is. Um, whoever like it would have been nice if like a populist leader took over the city at that time and like said no we're going to hold the banks accountable because detroit out of almost every city had almost a better case to really truly hold the banks accountable as a as a municipality if we had uh prosecutors in power who were actually willing to pursue those cases against the banks literally uh, the the judge uh, who was over Detroit's bankruptcy case, he literally said it in court that Detroit actually had had one of the best cases to like take all these banks to task, yet we're uh, giving up where pensions to pay them. Um, so like, in the ideal situation, in the real politic, you really could have potentially had a leader who's like, you know what, you know like Greece, kind of like <laughs> fuck you EU, you know like, um, if you, it's possible to have a leader who would uh, pr- pursue the banks harder. I think that that would have had a huge I mean, most of cities incomes come from the property values in the United States. It's a huge percentage of city urban uh, incomes come from property values. And with yeah. the 2008 financial crisis happened. Detroit is like um, a lot of people it's think it's a big, big city. It's a big, flat ass lot like uh, worker. Good. Yep, It's like a suburb city almost. It's like flat. You know, it's not like Chicago where it's like. Two story buildings and commercial developments below them. We have like little corridors of business where there's like commercial development. We have our industrial area, but Detroit's largely a huge auto worker residential fucking setup. Sorry, I'm cursing too. I had, I had a wine at dinner and just cursing <laughs> like a sailor. This is going on the record in Dearborn.
0: Okay. <laughs> I can't beep anything. I don't have the technology for it. So, yeah. They'll figure it out. Uh,
1: no but you asked about transportation originally and the tr- the public transportation system is really bad. You wait for like 2 or 3 hours to go somewhere that's like 20 minutes away. It you, sometimes buses don't come. Um it's it's also massively underfunded. I tried it. I There's tried a
0: regional system. I tried to go for a week without uh, a car and just using yeah. public transportation. Mhm. Last man. The bus driver didn't even expect a person waiting for them, you know? So that was an issue like uh, Yeah.
1: I hate to, like, harp on race always, and I think that's what uh, annoys uh, European people, but um, the reason we don't have a good bus system is because the suburbs want to keep black and brown people out. If we were any other major city, we'd have a bus that goes to the suburbs, that goes to all these areas, that, like, transit the entire 5 million person metro area, but they have... Li- there's It's gone on the ballot the last, like, two every two years repeatedly, and it fails every time because the Oakland County people really don't want poor $26,000 average a year people coming into their neighborhoods. But we have to get to their neighborhoods because that's where the jobs are. We're cleaning their homes, we're feeding them, we're working in their stores. And like you you could see it. Just come in and out of Detroit every day. Right. There's a huge like traffic jam of people coming in who live in the suburbs who work downtown and Detroiters leave to work in the suburbs to fulfill like Low wage were jobs. you,
0: were you, Antonio, were you with the Detroit transportation proposal that was proposed a few years ago, and then it failed? And and I'm not even market. sure
1: which one you're talking about. I I I think I'm all for public transportation. Obviously, the during the Corona, connects, it's really difficult connects, to be. Yeah. During Corona, it's very difficult to be a public transportation advocate because it's like the individual lifestyle of America is the best for. Not transferring your diseases to other people, but I mean, I feel bad for folks in New York. I mean, it, it it it's really bad there because, in part, in which is because they have such a good mass transit system compared to us. Right. Um, so that's that's a big problem for sure. I mean, yeah, I, but this whole year
0: uh, is crazy. Back, going back, one of the reasons for uh, the high rate of unemployment in Detroit is because uh, one of the reasons is because there is difficulty. If you don't have a car, and it's almost impossible to have a car with the insurance rate, um, if you don't have a car, it's very difficult to find uh, public transportation that will take you to your job. There are articles written about that. uh, In the newspaper, is one that was written before a guy who walks eight miles so he can get to his job. So... um,
1: there's also a big thing about the general transition with the economy to the service sector as opposed to industrial and that like really affected Detroit more than anything else. The the, the white flight, which is the population going from 2 million in the 1950s down to 700,000 in 2010 was like a huge vacuum suck of mon- money into the suburbs and which really allowed white people to build intergenerational wealth off of like cornfields that were out there. Um, and black and brown people weren't allowed access to that wealth. So there's again, A repeated instance of this, like, dispossession of black and brown wealth and, like, the government supporting white people, European people, (laughs) settlers. Okay. It's a repeat history in America.
0: uh, Right. I'm going to ask you a few questions about uh, some of the uh, works that you do. There's a lot of them. Um, And also, I want to get to the recommendations because that's an important part of the program. So people can get exposed outside their bubble, right? Yeah don't really get exposed to so i want to hear like what film do you recommend what books do you read you know Mm -hmm. um, others can get exposed to them Uh, but before that i have something maybe it's a surprise to you but i only picked the public photos that you have i want you to (laughs) comment about these photos Uh, tell us what you're doing or what the heck you're doing
1: (laughs) okay uh yeah so um I work for the National Wildlife Federation and we started this Detroit Sugar Bush project with the local Native American community where we um, tapped maple trees and boiled it down to make maple syrup and maple sugar. And this is me in my kitchen, filtering the last of the maple syrup and bottling it up. And obviously not a commercial setting.
0: Awesome. Where can we get this maple syrup from? You can't.
1: Mm. I'm gonna be selling Native American maple syrup from a friend but, like, we, we can't sell it. One of the deals with the city, we wrote an MOU with the city to get permission. And one of the things that they asked us to do is, like, not to sell our products. So we can only give them away. And we give them away to Native American elders and community and also people who come and work the sugar bush. So if you come and work the sugar bush, you can get a little little, little taste.
0: Okay. Maybe we will one day.
1: Yes. Who's done that? Who's that, done that, Antonio? That, that was me. <laughs> I put an axe. I, I used a door hinge to mm-hmm. duct tape an axe to uh, Christopher Columbus's face downtown.
0: And that's not this year. Tell them which and year is
1: this. this was 2015, maybe. 2015 or could mm-hmm. be. Yeah, 15, I think.
0: It took five years for him to die, but you, you got him at the end.
1: I did. We did. We did. It was a lot of people. I'm, I'm very proud. That was tempura paint. I washed right off. Um, it was very easy, very quick. If you see on his shoulder, I left a uh, tape. I used, mm-hmm. I left the gorilla tape on his shoulder. Okay. I highly I like if I'm uh, getting paid, by a product, I love that gorilla tape. Mm-hmm. And
0: uh, <laughs> Antonio, uh, yeah. some people do not understand the sentiment.
1: And yeah. Can
0: you please explain? Yeah,
1: it? we've had talks about this. We've had a ton of talks about this. Mm-hmm. Christopher Columbus um, is like the English American, like so like every country builds its own history. Every country is like chooses its own history and it tells history in a way that builds a national identity. And English, white, settler, American is the national identity of the United States. We are a Puritan nation who escaped the oppression of Europe and settled in these Native American lands and conquered our way from sea to shining sea. And Christopher Columbus, he wasn't the first European even to come to the continent. But his name is actually Cristobal Colón. He's uh, ge- he's Genoan, which is like, which w- Italy wasn't even a thing. Italy didn't even exist when Christopher Columbus existed. So he's a Genoan, which was like a, one of the major trading communities along southern Italy. And he actually uh, f- was a person who worked for Spain. So his Cristobal Colón is what the f- Spanish called him. Christopher Columbus is the Anglicization of this person who was Genoan, who, who, who didn't call himself Christopher Columbus. So, like, essentially, like you cherry pick one person who is like the representative who we can identify with our American names uh, to be the initiator of this great land, you know, this country. So, Christopher Columbus landed in Puerto Rico, and that's where my ancestry is in, in, in those islands, the Arawak and Taino Indian people. And uh, obviously, I have Spanish ancestry as well. Um, So like, yeah, it's partially me, partially me. I'm part of part of the colonizer class, too. Um, Mm -hmm. But they came to the island and he would chop off hands to get gold. Uh, He would, you know, rape and sell women. He would enslave the people, massacred them, ran them out and initiated the transatlantic slave slave trade in in the, the from the West to Africa. He himself did that in a matter of 10 years in Puerto Rico before it hit the United States. It's like a big, there's a huge African diaspora all across South and Central and Northern America not just the United States and a bigger percentage went to South and Central America and Latin America. And uh, they a lot of them came through the Antilles or those islands that were initially colonized by Christopher Columbus. So, if we're trying to change the narrative or give a narrative that's more inspiring for uh, a recently occupied urban municipality such as Detroit, I think we shouldn't be honoring terrible people in public places and, and perpetuating like inaccurate myths. The myth is that Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492 and discovered America. <laughs> But that's not accurate. That's not that this man would never call himself this, much less would he. He actually kind of like died disappointed because he thought he went to India. He was like kind of a failed, he ended up being like having a lot of debt. He died in like jail or something like that. He was, he didn't have a good end of his life. Um, And again, it's a cherry picked figure in history. And this is my debate with you. We have this disagreement because you compare the taking down of statues to ISIS. And I totally disagree because a lot of the statues that are being taken down across this country are not historical figures. They're actually people who were cherry picked from Confederate history during the big waves where African-American people were making big strides. So during the civil rights movements, Southern people warned black people by putting up these monuments, basically monuments to white settler like violence towards black and brown people. That's what these monuments represent. So they're literally the opposite of ISIS. ISIS put these statues up. American right wing, like nationalism, is the same thing as ISIS. Like the those, all of those like evangelicals who will betray their faith to support Donald Trump, because they think he's the, the second coming of God and he's like putting the capital of Jerusalem in Israel so that like the next reckoning can come. Who believe the United States and the world, the world six thousand years old. Like this is American ISIS. And those are the people, those are the class, those are the culture of people who put up a lot of these like anti-black racist Confederate statues. Majorly, when did they go up in history? There are two big spikes in which these Southern statues started going up. One happened in the late, um, I think it's like 1890s, late 1800s. What was the big historical thing that was happening in that time we saw? And what do you think it was? It was after the Civil War. Right. Reconstruction is the answer to that. Literally after the Civil War, the North occupied the South and said, uh, we're gonna force racial equality on the slave holding societies. And that's literally what happened. Black and brown people began to prosper. There was like 2000 black politicians elected all over the South. They began to take the skills and knowledge that they had learned and acquired and even brought with them from Africa uh, to start businesses and to become successful. And after, uh, I think it was McKinley, he left government, he left, it was this, the same thing that Biden represents, the same thing that Bill Clinton represents, which is the Southern strategy, which is like, you know, kind of going for that Southern vote, that same class of people, this original Southern strategy guy um, was, uh, got in office and said, we're going to end reconstruction and a huge wave of anti-Black violence swept over the South and people were lynched, killed. There's a huge amount of lynchings in that same time period. In that exact same time period, all of these statues started being erected all over the place. Yeah, ISIS erected those statues, the American ISIS. And okay. the American ISIS supports Donald Trump right now. Yeah, So and to say you, that the left and my people who are taking these statues down, indigenous people are erasing history and taking down statues is totally inaccurate and totally centers European settler history.
0: Great. And are you... I'm, I'm happy that you've recorded this whole commentary by the <laughs> person who has done uh, himself, done that. I actually love this work because it's, it's an artistically representative work. Um, and uh, it reminds me of the work of uh, Banksy, which is very, very uh, uh, accurate in its depiction yeah. and in its messaging.
1: Banksy uh, got in trouble this in Detroit at the same time. Uh, not Banksy, it was not Banksy, it was... Uh, the guy who did um, obey, from with obey, he's another prominent street artist. Uh, but he was doing a bunch of work in Detroit. at The same time we got busted for that "Free the Water" one,
0: which mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll, I'll talk about in a minute. Uh, but just as a as a, a comment, because sometimes on Facebook communication is not clear. I'm not. Yeah. You see, we we. I wanted you to explain your perspective because people come from different perspectives. They have passions for you know different things. So uh, we have been traumatized in the Middle East by uh, yeah. uh, extremists who uh, took, uh, you know, first of all, in, in class who's, who,
1: who's supporting those extremists right now? Who is? Say say who are the three yeah. countries supporting them? The United the three, States. The three power centers. So they're Israel, <laughs> the United States, Israel, and the right. Gulf states.
0: Right. Um, so... That... Uh, the, the these you know in the classical Islam uh, sculptures are forbidden because uh, Islam came to combat uh, uh, the icons exactly. So there's exactly. no iconography. The Prophet
1: Muhammad would never
0: whatsoever. There is no iconography in Islam. There is no symbols. Even the crescent and the star has nothing to do with Islam. That's something that Ottomans have taken over from uh, from Constantinople uh, oh, uh, from from Istanbul. It was the symbol for the city, and they took it over. And he saw a dream and stuff. It's a long story. Yeah, so The there's... end of
1: Ottoman rule was really the beginning of this like national period for Arab peoples, and that's Big been a time. hot that's mess. It. That's falling apart right now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I have a series coming up called the Arab Identity, 20, 20 episodes. Uh, yeah. and, uh, will, Do you uh, like Nasser? Uh, yes, but, you know, there is, there is uh, footnotes.
1: <laughs> yeah, so many footnotes.
0: <laughs> we'll get to that. But I just wanted to say that, uh, so we got traumatized by extremists making the decisions uh, yeah. to remove uh, statues because they deem them offensive to their... That uh, was horrible. I'm very... I mean,
1: so was the burning of the libraries and stuff that happened under desert storm. I mean, all exactly. these things are horrible, and again, and, horrible things and so, that were initiated by as, the U.S.
0: Uh, exactly. And same as the the, the abolition of, of, uh, of historical houses in Detroit uh, and, uh, you know... Uh, the the pipelines like you stated before right yeah uh, the pipelines which uh, uh, wipe Native out Native American
1: sacred lands and spaces and reservation communities right. uh, and all, places Native people have been limited to tiny this much space they've given been given and they're trying to put pipelines across a bunch of it
0: right so the the danger is to so you see you can do this and I can agree with you to do this but you know like yesterday they they uh, vandalized uh, Frederick Douglass. Sculpture, you know, I mean, that was
1: definitely not Black Lives Matter. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Definitely. But we are. No, It
1: wasn't them. It wasn't them. It was like right wing crazy. That's what
0: I'm saying. Definitely. It's not them for sure. But what we're what we're doing is we want these sculptures have been placed by city councils. There's been, you know, some sort of a democratic process to placing them. them.
1: Most of the time, it's not a democratic process straight up. It's sometimes it's just gifts. It's just one community gifting a huge statue to a right, city. Right, but there is a it's, democratic it's not, way of, of removing them. I'm just against. Yeah, the, I
0: mean, the, the,
1: we 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 got city council to support a resolution that actually called for the statue to be removed, and nothing happened. If it, uh-huh. it took people ripping it down in Minnesota for Doug to be like, "Oh shit, I don't want to be the mayor who got his statue ripped down." Uh-huh. That's why. That's literally why. And then me and my boy David Um, shout out to David. He's um, from a reservation in Manitoulin Island. And uh, we hung a sign on Columbus's neck that said, um, rapist, murderer, blah, blah, blah. And then it said, in Anishinaabeg Moan language, which is in, in the native language of this land, it said, tell the truth or we will.
0: I think I have it here. Where is
1: it? The sign hanging from his neck? No, that's my phone.
0: No, we're coming We're coming to that, but no, I have that one. Yeah. which was That one was after the removal.
1: Yeah. So after it was taken down, I heard it. I read an article, and I went straight there to just take a seat on it.
0: Which is a a victory. Which is a victory. Uh, You see that uh, I don't mind that. I don't mind the democratic process. But then, because you know, some people are calling for the removal of uh, uh, other statues, uh, we're going a little bit. I think
1: we're. I think we're going to go through a democratic process and get them removed. I think that's what's going to happen. I think like we're going to go to. We're going to use our democratic process, and if that's the case. So be it. Good. You know, great.
0: Exactly. Because if the democratic process decides to remove a sculpture and I don't like it, I can go to another country, you know, yeah. but uh, democracy. But for us. I mean, open... I'll say
1: this. I'll say this real quick, though. Like, uh-huh. we don't have democracy in the United States. We've never had democracy in the United States. It's really a falsehood to like to talk to call our system a democratic. It's truly if we wanted to idealistically talk about our program, it's a representative uh, republic. But if we want it sure. or a constitutional like republic, uh, but realistically, what it is, is in according to Harvard, uh, it's a oligarchy. I mean, it's it's really like just a massive oligarchy with the inequality is absolutely crazy. It's like the Gilded age, it's just like the 1920s right now.
0: Sure. As long as we have uh, uh, corporate funding for campaigns. Then we're, we're we're we can't be at as long as we
1: have private foundations doing the things that government should be doing, such as mental health and taking care of our sick and stuff like that.
0: Um, so as uh, so uh, again, so this is I think this is the the differences in the way. That was my I, I'm very afraid of mobs doing stuff because yeah because I've seen the worst of it. Yeah. And I, whether I agree or disagree, I want uh, there are some uh, sculptures that I would agree with removing, like the Confederate uh, uh, sculptures. Uh, I and there are ones that I would disagree with. Uh, some, yeah. There are ones that I would interpret differently.
1: Well, it's like it's like we should talk about that as an as a nation. You know, the national narrative should be discussed as a nation and revisited. You know, it's it's a we have the right to change our narrative as a nation. You know, and, right? And like I think we get shines the glimmers of hope, but. We're we're kind of, the whole world is kind of quickly descending into like right-wing fascism. The whole world, Europe, everywhere. Everywhere. Right.
0: Antonio uh, with us also is the guy who uh, uh, painted uh, Free the Water on the uh, tank in Lansing, which became an international symbol of uh, resistance and of uh, demand of social justice. So thank you Antonio on behalf of every person who cares about social justice for sacrificing and doing that. That was vandalism but that was a very well deserved uh, vandalism with a very strong message. So I want to uh, say that sometimes like you said you know you go through the democratic process and then it doesn't have an end then you have to you have to push the message somehow. Yeah, Uh, with with causing the least damage, and you've done that every time. uh, I've seen you do something, so it's not. I have I have nothing that I don't support. That I know that you've done. Thank you, Um, appreciate it. Tell us about this, Antonio.
1: So one of the things that got me into activism and organizing uh, was my experience in college. Um, It was a it's a unique place, you know, a unique time in your life. Living on college was a very. I took out crazy loans and I, I think it's so unfair that people have to do that. And it shouldn't be like that because it just like, you know, enslaves you to whatever, you know, debt system we're running here right now. Um, but the sort of free open space that I had in college to experiment and learn. And uh, I worked for the Center of Multicultural Affairs. for We, we developed diversity programming. I was president of the Latino Students Association. That's where I started opposing Columbus Day, was in events that we did. I did my first piece of public art on campus at Eastern Michigan University about Columbus, literally. Um, and we also did it about war and about other issues. We took over some public walls in the, in the, in the school. I, I was on different leadership groups. I traveled to Latin America where I learned about the United States relationship with that place. I got into student government and I kind of, between Latino Students Association and student government, I had built, developed a relationship with a lot of Latino people, which connected me with the DREAM Act, which is a big problem, a big issue, uh, which is like undocumented use. People who entered the United States without paperwork as babies um, came to the United States and were hoping to, you know, get, be a part of this country, you know, and be a part of the system. And um, that's what the DREAM movement was. And this, I was arrested um, in in solidarity with the coalition against uh, the coalition for tuition equality in Ann Arbor. And we had a similar coalition called um, uh, dare to dream EMU. And we had a action where we got arrested downtown and we actually got these universities to change their policies to allow undocumented people to pay in state tuition. So I, I have a couple of like victories with the system, you know, like these statues and, um, I got a law on the books in Ypsilanti. We actually changed the charter and constitution to make medical marijuana to make marijuana um, not like a criminal issue. Um, so I've I've been engaged in activism since college, and that's what this yeah. picture is. Is like a I started growing out my hair, and I started engaging in more radical <laughs> activism. Uh, I was opposing my college at the time for. Um, backing the EAA, which we call the educational Apartheid Authority, which is this institution which took the bottom 15% of Detroit public schools and fast tracked them into charter school privatization and is a total failure. So much scandalous theft in that situation is a total total wreck of a situation. Um, but yeah so that's it's connects a lot of issues education immigration.
0: Antonio, there's no limit to the topics that we want to talk about really because you are, we say in, in Arabic, "Ummatun uh, fi you are a nation and a person, uh, and it's it's a message that I wanna uh, I wanna um, pass through you to to our audience, to the youth, to history when it watches us again. That a person can create so much change, but you know it it has a toll. Antonio has sacrificed a lot. And has dedicated his life for for his cause. Um, it takes a lot of it takes a lot of work. If, if there are more activists, uh, a lot of change can happen. Antonio has proven in a broken system that you still can have change, that you still can have victories, that you still can have
1: uh, beauty uh, the- and good food and fun and pleasure and joy and nature and you know relationships to land and each other in, in different ways. Yeah, absolutely. It's Tell us about I'm, I'm the, very proud of my body of work, for sure.
0: Tell us about this picture, Antonio.
1: Yeah, so this is... Um, you know, my my neighborhood was all houses. You know, it's all small, uh, 30 foot by 100 foot, or um, what is that, like 33 meters by uh, 3 meters, uh, or no, by 10 meters. So really small lots for my whole neighborhood. And uh, behind my house I grew up, there was like houses that I saw go into the ground you know um over years of like poverty bank stuff um and uh basically like we just took over these lots there's two there's two and a half houses on these five lots and we worked with the city while talking shit to duggan we were still working with his managers and good people in the city uh and raquel and folks to like clear the lots clear the land um That's a a row of uh, um, asparagus behind us there. Some strawberries and stuff in front of us. And um, that's an annual sort of production space that I'm growing in behind my house in these open lots. They were, again, like kind of taken by the banks. Families were there. um, Taken by the city government. And uh, we took them from them. We just asked the neighbor's permission. So technically we're squatting on this space.
0: And there's a lot of this. Detroit has a lot of spaces which have been reclaimed by community. Uh, and urban farming is done nowhere yeah. more interesting than Detroit. We have uh,
1: big plans for the space. It's going to be something to see in a couple of years.
0: That's amazing. Um, I think we did, Do you know of a company that does tours, someone that does tours in southwest Detroit?
1: Um, there's definitely a number of people. There's like some mural tours that are really good. Airbnb experiences. Um, I
0: think you should do Hanan one. Hanan yeah. has
1: done some of those. I should do some of those. I have like 40, 40 hives in the area. So I, I could do it. I could easily do like a bee tour. You
0: should do a few uh, Airbnb experiences. That's yeah.
1: Cool. I think I, I might start doing some things like some ticket items. You got to pay like 50 bucks, come take a bee tasting tour or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I shouldn't do that. Like I, I I'm, the my, that's one of my big issues is like I I'm not the I'm good at making money I make money for sure but it's not like I I could be better at it I could be more organized around making money and doing public things like that I I will get I'm getting there yeah. I, I love do it, I do a lot of stuff for like free it, though you know you,
0: yeah but if you organize uh, some sort of a tour uh, that schools can uh, can relate to then you know you'll totally. have. Uh, a flow of students coming, exploring Southwest. Detroit. This is one of
1: the things I'm doing with Southwest grows now. I'm like my house. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm trying to turn it to a nonprofit, um, that offers like stuff like that, does art in the community, um, education stuff like that. Yeah.
0: Alright, believe it or not, we're we're almost out of time. We haven't even gotten to any, <laughs> to any of the classes. So we gotta do rapid fire. <laughs> <laughs> And we haven't, we haven't, uh, and I haven't had this before, by the way, never.
1: Really? Uh, Yeah, but. You had had to interview cooler people, man.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's overdue. It's just that, you know, there's so much and there's so much more. I have a full paper here, but I can't even touch it. But we definitely are going to have more meetings, uh, Antonio. Yeah. I I believe in that more than writing on Facebook because you can't hear a person. I love
1: conversations and I think podcasts are great. So I, I appreciate what you're doing here.
0: Thank you. I, I I'm just gonna pick a few questions uh, that I feel most can most relate to. Um, if you were a policymaker, this is Shada Sbeta from uh, California. She's from originally from Libya. If you were a policymaker during COVID nineteen pandemic, what kind of oh, policy? Oh shit! Would
1: you make? <sighs> I would radically increase testing i think that's like the one of the big things that's like a, a big fear issue is like everybody just doesn't know if they have it or if they're sharing it like it's like a big problem so the uncertainty is a big problem like you have to increase testing but oh gosh it's i mean there's so many um is it is free testing a myth because you
0: know i feel it's a i think
1: myth. i i feel like it is and i feel like there are places I just don't know. I, That's
0: three hundred dollars to do this. Is,
1: I'm just glad I'm not a politician. Honestly, like I'm really happy that I'm not a politician. Like, um, it was it was. This is. I'm not like the biggest Duggan fan, but his experience like uh, privatizing the DMC gave him a pretty good understanding of like what hospital systems need to do to prepare for crises. So I have to give him some props. He's a decent manager. I mean, like don't tell anybody I said that, but. He's like he's a he's a really smart guy. He's definitely not an idiot, but he just works for the wrong team, you know.
0: I feel I feel uh, him wanting to to do good can eventually uh, line up with with uh, because Detroit takes it takes also a special kind of a person to really you know, uh, engage in the community and and get in touch with the real needs of the the people there.
1: Yeah, I I don't feel like that's, I would never describe him as that, but he's definitely done good, you know, like using the moment for X, Y, and Z. I mean, a lot of, Dan Gilbert's been put on big time. I mean, and downtown's popping right now. Um, The house, like within the neighborhoods, we're all appreciative of the houses coming down. Um, That's not him though.
0: What do you need when you need to heal yourself? What do you do?
1: Forest, or uh, swimming, sometimes running when I'm like really motivated, but I'm inconsistent. Hadi
0: asks, "What's the worst thing COVID nineteen pandemic made you discover about yourself?"
1: Oof, um, the worst thing it, huh? I don't. I have to really sit sit there and think about that one. I, I mean, I. What's the best My extroversion is a problem, you know? Like, I was really, really depressed (laughs) for the first, like, four or five weeks. And -hmm. also, like, I had all these plans with my students and, like, a whole program. It all dropped and, like, I couldn't even, like...
0: It was horrible. Did that free you to do something else? Huh? Did that free you to do something else? Oh, of course. Yeah, so much.
1: Like, fixing things in my house. Like, spending more time in nature. Um, Yeah, so, I mean... The sugar bush. I was like in the middle of the sugar bush when all this stuff started, so I was like in there, in there, like for and it was cool because there's, everything else was canceled. Um,
0: What's the best thing COVID nineteen pandemic made you discover about yourself?
1: I I fasted all of Ramadan. Uh and it was a, I really loved it. I, it really pulled me out of the blues, honestly. It like made me feel so good to like have a schedule. Like I kind of like lost that's that was one of the worst things I discovered myself. If I'm like free wielding, my schedule will go awry. I will be working all night and
0: did you it's have bad.
1: Iftar I was like neighbors? Yeah,
0: that's the best part.
1: Man. Yeah, and I have some I have some really, really good Muslim friends. like lifelong part. friends, and um I had some iftad with them. Like, it's like it's a small pool of people I would like. It's like having inside, like, it's, I mean, people are always visiting each other and people still did, you know, in the middle of the pandemic families were coming together and it was like beautiful. And, you know, I don't know. It's, it's tough. Like, yeah, especially when can. you're all like eating Ramadan, that Yemeni, like yeah. bread and uh, uh, yeah. gravy, like you're all sharing germs.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We can't like in Ramadan, I had to see my parents, you know, it's just, we've never had a Ramadan without each other, you know? So, uh, but we kept, you know, as much as we can. Yeah. I have a question here by uh, a physicist from Germany, Sami Abdullah. At times of crisis such as this, do you prefer authoritarianism to ensure public safety, or stick to democracy and
1: liberalism? Uh, oh, what a good question! Asking the wrong guy. <laughs> the thing is, like, okay, so uh, more broadly, if I could wave a wand, and like make a lot of changes to our society for the better it like i would i would i would be it would be very tempting to bypass the democratic process to like rapidly increase the progress of the united states to like, get us back on track i mean like fuck like why are we turning the auto industry into making like national trains why are we watching china lead the way in trains like we should be doing this we should be doing this across the world like they are i mean the united states is turning inward at a really interesting time it's just a really it's a really interesting time i don't know but we're we're behind we're behind I mean, oh, Shenzhen is the capital of technology in the world. That Macau, Shenzhen area, right. like that is the future. And like, what do you think we're gonna unseed that? I mean, I don't know. It's getting it's getting crazy. China's got a lot of challenges, though. A lot of ch- I'm, I don't even get me started on geopolitics, bro. I that's my favorite topic. That's my number one passion. I watched, I I, I read and watch and consume way too much material. Because like, I'll be working in the farm, I'll be working with bees, I'll be working with my hands in the garden, and I just listen to that stuff for hours. Geopolitics and economic stuff. Okay, right. I want to get
0: a few recommendations before we end. What book do you recommend, uh, Antonio?
1: I want—I have to go back to that question though, real quick. Okay. I wish we had democracy, okay? I wish we had democracy. And I would say, like, if we had an educated populace, if we didn't, like, have... The United States is a backwards country that's, like... 50 like just oh my god people don't believe in evolution people believe the 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 world is six thousand years old like the united states is a backwards country and like we've made our education system just good enough for us to like work old industrial jobs that don't exist anymore and we're not really like i mean there there are pockets where critical thinkers are being created but it's very few and it's mostly within the upper class and it's the united states is so we can't have a democracy all i'm saying is like like it's we have an idiocracy oligarchy whatever thing going on so i don't know like in times like these like i'm happy i'm not in china that's for sure though i'll I'll, you know like it's hong kong is one that like sticks out for me as like a oh god like i kind of it's like a they're they're all like nationalistic for america and britain which makes me so uncomfortable that's
0: that's changing as we speak
1: I mean, there's definitely elements within the Hong Kong people who are leftists, for sure. But, -hmm. like, like, in their liberation struggle, in their minds, like, they're obviously working with the CIA. Like, obvious. It's, like, it's just part of U.S. geopolitics. Like, China supports Black Lives Matter, just like we support Hong Kong, Tibet, and Uyghurs. It's just part of, like, every enemy country supports the human rights of the ethnic internal minorities of those other countries. Like, that's just the name of the game. It's just uncomfortable, you know, seeing... And a lot of those activists like come and hang out with the right-wing fascist people here in the U.S. because those are the ones most likely to fund their revolution. You know, it's just it's icky. It's really icky.
0: Okay.
1: Everybody loves the Dalai Lama for a reason. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh.
0: Uh huh. Okay. Let's get to your
1: recommendations. Uh, what... I want. I want. I'm, I'm curious. This this question section is really good, though. Is there any other gems in there for you? There, there are. The there favorites are,
0: There. I'll give you a funny one.
1: Amr Zehri. You know Amr Zahir. Yeah, loosely. I think, like, I've met him a couple of times, but I don't, like, know him. What food
0: him. reminds you of your childhood?
1: Huh? What What reminds me of my childhood?
0: What food reminds you of your childhood? Oh,
1: um, arroz con pollo. Like, I would hate the dish growing up so much because my mom would make it often. But it's, like, a Puerto Rican dish, and she'd make it so good. Now I love it, and it reminds me of, like, being frustrated at the limited food options of my house. Let me write
0: it down. Can you spell it for me?
1: A r r o z space c o n space p o l l o just means rice and chicken. Okay, rice and chicken.
0: So if someone sees the recording later, wants to try it for
1: uh for Ahmed Zahir, it's like our uh, Magluba, I think, is that what they call yeah. it. <laughs> it's like our version oh. of that. Yeah,
0: uh, I want to get some recommendations from you, Antonio. A book. Okay. Yeah. That you
1: recommend a
0: book. Yes. Um,
1: so I'm just I've just been reading the Entrepreneurial State um, by uh, Margaret Makazi. Maka- is it right here? Uh, Mariana Mazzucato. I just started it like the other day and bought it. Uh, I bought it. It's been sitting on the shelf for a while, but it's like debunking the myth that like the private sector like uh, drives business forward. It's actually uh-huh. mostly government and military uh, investment. What's and the book again? It's called um, the Entrepreneurial State: Debunking Public Versus Private Sector Myths by Mariana Mazzucato. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ramble off a bunch of economists that people should be reading. Yeah. So Ha-Joon Chang, H-A-J-O-O-N, Chang, C-H-A-N-G. He's like the boat. He wrote this book called um, Kicking Away the Ladder. And it, it's so good. It's a critique of like um, the way imperialism kind of comes into economic policies and like rational liberalism. Uh, it's good. He's really great. Um, I, I like like classic stuff like David Harvey is really good. Um, but I I love economics, I could dork out about this all day. Uh, I think a book that every Detroiter, Metro Detroiter, should read is Origins of the Urban Crisis. That's like a, ne- a necessity, you've got to read that. You won't understand like the way things came to be the way they are. It's like every kid in Metro Detroit should read that book because, like, if otherwise, you're left with narratives of like anti black narratives like, oh, these kids are like poor, crackhead mothers on welfare and they need to lift themselves by their bootstraps, get stuck on that Ayn Rand craziness. I mean, but they—it's not in the—it's not in the curriculum in a lot of places for reasons.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, I—I placed that in the in the comments. Yeah,
1: Empires Workshop is another good one. I mean, there's there's so many good ones about like U.S. imperialism. That's kind of okay. like how like it's a book that looks at the way we uh, counter insurgency in Latin America was practiced and and siphoned and hardened, so the United States was ready to do counterinsurgency in the Middle East empire's workshop by greg grandin super good book super good book awesome.
0: thank you for the multiple
1: recommendations yeah
0: film what's the oh, last 1491
1: one. last one 1491 read that one that's good it's about like the, the the scale and complexity of indigenous life in america that one really impacted me film um the most recent movie i saw was casino i still somewhat like some of those like old mob yeah, yeah. it's like like as a kid growing up and my right. friend had never seen them, and I was like, "You gotta watch this one! Like, yeah. it's like a classic." Um, but like my favorite like movie, I think people should recommend for the cinema cinematography or whatever is like City of God. Uh, it's a Brazilian film. Right. put that one up there. City of God. It's yes. so good. It's if it's it's translation. It's like originally done in Brazilian, so you gotta read the script on the bottom. But there probably is some voiceover ones. It's a super. It's like a. It's like a Brazilian gangster movie from the nineteen like seventies and sixties, eighties. It's yep. good. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. All right. And uh, is there any website that that uh, you want your our audience? The
1: Intercept. The Intercept. It's uh, Glenn Greenwald, um, and uh, Jeremy Scahill. And they are amazing. If you like, want to know what's really going on, like they're the ones who are taking over for like, uh, uh, you know, we gotta like send our our love out there to um, what's my man's creepy guy uh, info info uh, uh, Julian Assange, you know? Yes. Like they're like kind of like taking on the reins of like collecting that sort of like privacy data. Like they're really good. I love The Intercept. That's my, my one of my favorites.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Uh, and finally, is there any music that you stumbled upon
1: and you want to share with us? Lately, I've been listening to this song uh, called Too Fast by this uh, guy named Sander. It's the name. Um, and if you're a Metro Detroit person like J Dilla, J Dilla, you got to listen to J Dilla and Slum Village. It's just like a classic, super important like Jay Dilla is your favorite producer's favorite producer. Like he soulful stylings, like mixing old school funk into like hip hop and he's a Can producer. What his name? Jay Space J the Space Dilla. D-I-L-L-A. Jay Dilla. And the group he was part of was Slum Village, S-L-U-M Village, V-I-L-L-A-G-E. So that was like uh his like hip-hop group he was a part of, but uh-huh. he's also an independent DJ. He's worked with Common, Erica Biden, like every a bunch of the like, kind of like neo-soul classic people great important one
0: okay awesome awesome thank you very much antonio yeah we went over about 20 minutes i want to thank you for your time <laughs> for sure it was yeah. uh, a great uh, a great uh episode and uh um, I'm, I'm proud to feature one of detroit's heroes really
1: no thanks man so- it, it's a uh, uh, it's I, a lot of people who do really good work here, man. Like,
0: uh, a lot of people like you, Antonio. A lot of people.
1: There's a lot of people. I know. There's a but lot of people. There's like people like me all over the city.
0: I've seen that. And I've seen also that they never get recognized or appreciated. So I want to show appreciation to you.
1: Oh, yo, I appreciate yeah. it. I appreciate one it. Day,
0: one day, Detroit will appreciate, uh, will appreciate <laughs> this figure.
1: I get so much love from the city. I'll be honest, man. People like run for us. I'm like, why? Why would I ever run for office? It's terrible. But, uh, I that, love what I do lucky. Awesome man. Keep going the
0: the good things that you're doing. Uh, Deerbone blog you. is your platform if you want to put any announcements and I can put you an admin on it honestly. Um and please use it as much as you want. And uh, thank you for being with us. We'll definitely host you in upcoming episodes about different topics. Um, yeah. Great night. stay safe Detroit. Sure. And see you in the next episode. Thank you.